This Known Leader podcast is presented to you by your friends at LifeWay Student Ministry. We want to help you lead students to know God, own their faith, and make their faith known. You can find other incredible student ministry resources as well as huge camp information at www.lifeway.com forward slash students. another episode of our Known Leader Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rick Prawl, and we are into our third session of study in this unit called Goodness Gracious. So far, we've talked about what does it mean for God to be kind? What does it mean for God to be good? And this week, we're going to talk about the question, what does it mean for God to be gentle? Again, leaders, we're uh, we're pulling these three fruit of the Spirit out of that list that Paul gave us in Galatians chapter 5. These, again, are all reflections of the nature and characteristic of God because of the Holy Spirit in us then. These are characteristics and traits that should be a part of our lives and that God wants to demonstrate in and through us. Uh, Jeff, we're talking about um, this question, what does it mean for God to be gentle this week? And before we even get into that, you know, from a guy's standpoint, that's one of those words that, you know, I can probably handle being good and I can handle being kind, but this gentle thing, do I really want to be gentle? Why do we struggle with that? Don't just don't like the word. I mean, you know, it's just not who we're supposed to be. I mean, yeah. we're supposed to be rough and tough and 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 gruff and all of those things. And you know, man, I you hear the word gentle and, and I think of a soap commercial or something. Yeah. You know, it's just like, man, that's just not. But I think I think sometimes what we do is we pull out that part of God's character and right. then we isolate it and we say, I don't like that. But I, I think you have to look. You have to look at all of these. Characteristics in totality, you know, the the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, all of those things go together. It, it, it's just who he is. That's and, right. and I think, again, it's just a part of us learning how to reflect the character of God in our life and how we respond to each other. Right. And I think gentleness is a big part of that. Well, and, and it's not unfamiliar to us because we do talk about the idea of being gentlemen and we talk right. about, you know, things that a, a gentleman would do. And this session is actually a great example of that because we're going to look at the point this week is that Jesus is our example of God's gentleness. We could say that you know Jesus is the example of what it means to be a gentleman um, mm-hmm. because of the things that we're going to look at, these three life principles. Let's dig into these because this I think this really lays the foundation for leaders to get into these, these passages. We're going to look at three different scripture passages about what does it mean for God to be gentle as we see demonstrated in the life of Jesus. Uh, we're going to first look at Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, and, and look at this idea that being gentle, Jesus welcomed the unimportant. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you see there in those verses? Well, I think it's interesting that, that G, how Jesus responded to children and and then how his disciples responded to, to his response. Right. Uh, you know, that they were indignant. Uh, you know, that Jesus, Jesus was, was indignant. You know, the disciples rebuked these children from coming to Jesus. And you got to ask yourself the question, you know, why in the world did the disciples get so upset and uptight about these children coming to Jesus? Right. And, and, and as I've, I've thought about that, you know, I, to me, I think, as I think about the disciples following Jesus and seeing what he did, I mean, I, I think those guys probably felt like they were part of a pretty small, important group. Right. When I mean, they were hanging out with this guy that was doing some pretty unbelievable things. Yeah. And here comes these kids, and, and the disciples are like, no, you know, it's almost like you, know, you, you, you see today people protecting these uh, celebrities that walk through crowds. Right. And I can imagine the disciples having that same feeling. You know, to me, I think the disciples felt like these children hadn't earned the right to be close to Jesus. Uh, I mean, you know, what, what had they done that Jesus was going to receive them as he did? Right. They, he did, they hadn't earned the right. And, and I think us understanding that part of God's character is that 
Jesus loved them not because they could do anything for him, not because they could they had earned the right to be in his presence, but because they were a part of his creation. Right. And and we've said that over the last two sessions, but again, I think it goes back to uh, his goodness and his uh, kindness, and now we see his gentleness and how he's responding to this part of his creation. Well, we talk about that he welcomed the unimportant, and, and in our society and culture today, as you've mentioned, I mean, everything's about the important people, and, and we want to hang out with the important people, and yep. we kind of push aside people that we consider unimportant. But when we look at Scripture and this aspect of God's character represented in Jesus, Jesus went out of his way to spend time with people that would be considered unimportant. That's exactly um, right. And, you know, the example that that can give to us, to challenge students, you know, just look around your, your campus. Who are some of the folks that may be considered unimportant, and what can you do to spend time with them? Uh, great way to get into that. Yeah, I, and I think I think a couple things when I think about that, Rick, just being involved in student ministry, you know, you, you, see, you see students saying, man, we, we need more cool kids in our youth group. Right. You know, because students rank other students. Right. But that's just, and, of course, as adults, we do the same thing. And so I, I think what I love to see is, is a group of diverse students in a, in a group that all get along, that all love to hang out with each other, that all right. love to be a part uh, of each other. I remember when I was in, uh, in seminary, had a student pastorate there, and just seeing different kinds of kids. I remember going to visit a guy. Uh, he, he was a young teenager, and uh, Ryan Abernathy is his name. And we ended up calling him Nappy uh, mm-hmm. because he uh, he had these little bitty ears. And and I remember going over and visiting visiting him in his house, taking a couple of youth with me. And you know his mom saying, you know, the last church we were involved in, uh, kids made fun of him. He just doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. We were like, come on, man, we'll love him. Well, the guy's a pastor today in Oklahoma. Wow. And cool. and, and it's because you know, and, and I'll, I'll never forget we took him in. Our, our kids started loving on this guy. This guy thought he was a Christian rapper, which is kind of funny. And this is back in the day. Yeah. We ended up going to a D.C. talk concert uh, when they were first getting off the ground. And I remember seeing Toby and those guys take this this guy and allow him to come in their little circle during a break wow. and rap one of their songs to him. Hmm. And here's this kid that, that nobody loved, that D.C. talk has kind of wrapped, wrapped themselves around him. Well, this guy's a pastor today. Wow. That's and cool. uh, yeah. I, I, just, I just think, you know, you love to see – uh, other students kind of displaying that character of who God is. That's right, yeah. Next thing we're going to look at is that Jesus touched the untouchable, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. I, I love this passage here um, because, you know, as we look at this, you know, Jesus obviously could have just healed this guy mm-hmm. by just speaking and saying, you're healed, but he touched him. Why is that important in this passage? Well, I, you know, I think there's a social stigma uh, to what Jesus did. Man, you know, number one, you think medically, you're not supposed to touch somebody who has leprosy, right? Because if you touch them, you may you may get what they've got. And then, secondly, just from a religious standpoint, uh, that, you know, from a Jewish standpoint, that would make Jesus unclean. And so he went against both of those grains uh, to make sure that that he he reached the heart because Jesus wasn't bound by uh, you know religious structure or he wasn't bound by social structure. He was able to go through that. And, and I think sometimes what we have to wrestle with in our flesh are those things. You know, are, are we willing to reach out and minister to those people that aren't like us, that don't fit in our groups, that don't fit in our churches? Right. Um, and that's hard because I, I, I'm not sure that a lot of us are. Yeah. Well, and even just the, the aspect of, of that touch, the importance of a physical touch, you know, whether it be a, a hug or a, you know, a hand on the shoulder. You know, leaders, we have a, a tremendous opportunity and a responsibility to handle that correctly, but a tremendous opportunity to love on students that you know come to our classes that may not experience love at home you know, may not 
get a hand put on their shoulder. And man, what a, a great thing for us to put a hand on a kid's shoulder and just say, man, I'm glad you're here. Thanks yep. for being here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget Rick, uh, one of my mentors in ministry, Nap Grenade. He was a pastor for over 30 years at, at one church. And as a young minister, he would talk to me about the, the, the power of touch. Right. And, uh, you know, I always struggle with hospital visits because I just, I'm a fixer, you right. know, and I'm just like, come on, are you, are you kidding me? Get up out of, you know, what's the problem? Get up right. out of bed and, you know, <laughs> let's go. And, uh, and it was just an uncomfortable environment for me. Uh, but he, and, and I would go with him and he would just walk in and he would get, grab a chair, pull it by the bed and he would just sit there and I would see him kind of take his hand and pat the other person's hand and nothing was said. He would just sit there. Right. And then, you know, after a little, after a little while we'd, he'd pray and we'd get up and leave. And I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, you didn't do anything. I mean, are <laughs> right, you yeah. kidding me? You know what, what just happened? Yeah. And, uh, but you know, he, he helped me understand that, like you're saying, there's just, there's something very spiritual about the, the power of that touch. That's right. Just them knowing you're there, that you love them. And it's an affirmation of God's presence. Sure. Well, and it's definitely, as we look in this passage, a demonstration of, of gentleness that, you know, Jesus, you know, gently touched this guy and, and, and spent that time just sharing him, showing him that, man, I love you. I love you enough. I'm going to, I'm going to touch you even when others won't. Right. And then we move into that third life principle to wrap this one up. Uh, we're going to jump over to John chapter eight, verses 10 and 11. Jesus welcomed the unimportant. He touched the untouchable. And this one, Jesus forgave the unforgivable. What do you see there? Yeah, boy, you, you really see a difficult situation with with this woman caught in adultery. You know, and, and again, our leaders will be familiar with this story. Both should have been brought to the law, not just one. Right. Uh, but obviously, they were they were trying to corner this woman and and get her uh, get her killed for who knows why. Probably, you know, it, it could have been that some of these other guys. Had had relations with her, and, and they they destroy wanted, the they, evidence. They want yeah. to destroy the evidence. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, but again, you see the nature, the character of God coming out in Jesus. Hmm. Uh, in that, you know, what he saw was not a prostitute. He saw one of his creation. You know, he saw one of his kids that that needed to be redeemed, and he needed to point the way to him. Right. And and even in the midst of her sin, even in the midst of what we consider what we would consider be, being gross and horrible, Jesus was able to see through that. To, to the heart of who she was. That's right. And and demonstrate that gentleness in that forgiveness. And you, you mentioned our kids. You know, as leaders, you know, many of us have kids and, and we're familiar with that aspect of relating to our kids that you know, our kids mess up and, and it's coming back and, and forgiving them and doing it gently. And that's a great example here in this passage that we see, you know, Jesus doing that. Well, leaders, as we wrap up this session, again, our question this week, what does it mean for God to be gentle? We're looking at this point that uh, Jesus is our example of God's gentleness and three ways that Jesus demonstrated gentleness. He welcomed the unimportant, he touched the untouchable, and he forgave the unforgivable. Well, join us again next week. We're going to wrap up this entire unit of study with, we've been looking at for three weeks, what does it mean for God to be kind, good, and gentle? To the question in that last session, well, why should I then be kind, good, and gentle? So join us again next week. (laughs) 